a Lifetime original podcast. Now, Naomi got up to do something, and I continued the conversation by myself oh, yes. the entire time. You should. <laughs> and I just was going to pick it up. That's why I said, he is trash. I was like, I'll just button it, and we'll just keep at it. <laughs> I love a Lifetime movie. We ate that and sat in the tiki, 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 tiki room. You left New York? You could have been on Broadway. Oh, yeah, with all their armpit hair swaying in the breeze. Yuck, a river. That's actually my nightmare husband. Tail as old as time, okay? That seems like a specialized skill, and this hunk preacher ain't got it. (laughs) Pastor Drew, really? Anything you can think of, Katie, anything at all. All I can think of is how much she liked him. I mean, she really liked him. You knew about the affair? She tried to hide it, but I mean, I figured it out. Is that why you guys think it's him? Well, it certainly gives him motive, yes. Hello, and welcome to a brand new, brand new episode of I Love a Lifetime Movie. I am Megan Gailey, joined as almost always by the gorgeous effervescent, said she's not showered, but still looking glowy, Naomi Ekaparagin. Don't be putting it out there that I ain't showered, Megan. They don't know what time it is. (laughs) Y'all, I should have showered by now. Uh -uh. Okay, almost always, but I'll tell you why. That's because Megan don't know when to take a damn break. I say sometimes I got to go bring in a guest host. Megan refuses to let me have a guest co-host. That's not true. (laughs) That's the difference. Megan will not let me. Megan only let me have a guest co-host when she was actively in labor. Yeah. yeah. She said, okay, okay, fine. When I can't breathe without my stitches coming out, you can have a guest co-host. Because Megan, she don't want me to have nobody else. She afraid that if I have a guest co-host, that I'm going to forget about her. So so she said, no, nah, if I'm not there, we ain't recorded. Whereas I say, go ahead and record, have some fun. We didn't send voice notes to each other for like 36 hours. And I'm like, <laughs> Naomi and I are in a fight. <laughs> I'm like, hi, what's going on? No, Megan, we ain't in a fight. I'm just depressed as hell. I know. And you out here going to Disneyland. I'm going to call her out on recording. Megan went to Disneyland for obviously our King Conrad's first birthday. That's not the problem, Mm -hmm. of course. Mm -hmm. Conrad is one years old. There's one of Conrad. Megan brought the nanny to Disney World. So we talking three grown adults for one little baby. Here's the thing. (laughs) When I said we were going to Disney, I could tell she really wanted to go. Really? Oh, yeah. She's from Florida. So she's been to Disney World a ton. And, you know, and and she's an improviser. I mean, she had she has Disney written all over her. And so I was like, would you want to go too? And she was like, yes. I was like dying. I was trying to figure out a way to be asked. So if anything, I was making two people's dreams come true, the nanny and Conrad. (laughs) Okay, okay, now that does explain things. I said, how are they three grown folks? (laughs) <laughs> Little Conrad. I said, I can't even see Conrad in the picture because he's three grown folks. <laughs> well, yeah. And it was like, I do, I, uh, it was like we were passing him. And so there would be people that would see like Conrad be passed between her, me and CJ. And I'm sure they're like, what's their situation? It's <laughs> like, none of us look real. I mean, it's, it's truly like an Irish woman, a Cuban gal and a Filipino man walk into a bar, you know, like, it's like, there's no way those three are related. So we got a sister wife who, who carried that baby. We had a great time. I will tell you, they are stingy with these characters now. Oh my Lord. I couldn't believe that. You said you guys didn't see any characters. No, I, I, I retract that. We did see some. And you walk up. Okay, so we got they got this cow, Arabella. I go, I don't know who this bitch is. Yeah. And they got her guarded like she's damn Kamala Harris. <laughs> they got people all around Arabella. I go, this is an F-lister at best. And then we finally see, so Mickey, he's in his house. He doesn't even come out. He said, I'm in my house, 45-minute wait. I'm like, he does, Conrad what? doesn't know. He's a baby. And this is a weekday, you guys. I just know Tuesday this is a weekday. Tuesday in like, this is crazy that there was a 45-minute wait. So we see Jessie from Toy Story. She's a loose out. Mm-hmm. So we get in the back of the line to meet Jessie. And the Jessie's like, Wrangler goes, so Jessie's actually going to be wrapping up. What? She's not real. 
And I'm a grown-up, so I know that. You can talk to me and be like, hey, she got a clock out. She got a cigarette break. She got to go sit on her phone for 30 minutes. Like, what? You don't have to act like Jessie is a real cowgirl who has, like, appointments to get her horse's (laughs) hoofs checked. I was so pissed. How many hours did y'all spend there? We got to the park at like 11 a.m. And mm-hmm. that's, and I mean, like, that's us pulling into parking. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, but then that's another like 45 minutes. But, you say- know, I'm, make, I'm making friends. Conrad's got his birthday boy shirt on, so we're making friends. So we were on the Disney property from like 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay, so that's a full day. That's a full yeah. Disney day. But yeah. I was very disappointed that the food, because I imagine, I have not been, you know, we live here in Los Angeles, an hour away from Disneyland. I have not been. Less, it took us 35 minutes. Oh, yeah, from your house. Yeah. So you right there. Stone's throw. But I've not been, but I always assumed, I assume if I'm going to Disneyland, I'm getting funnel cake. I assume I'm getting a turkey leg. Yeah, I they got those. I assume there's like, you know, the best chicken fingers in the game. Mm. But you said there was like a curry chicken and baked potato or something? <laughs> it was so weird. I just think when you go up to one of these stands, it's like, listen, even if we're like doing some sort of fusion, we're going to have some hot dogs and some chicken fingers and some popcorn. Right. You know, you got the yeah. basics along with the, no, you would go up to a stand and it would be like, yeah, so we have baked potato and curry chicken. And it's like, <laughs> it's 80 degrees out. What are you talking <laughs> And we're in Adventureland. We're not even on the set of Aladdin. Like, it wasn't even in theme. Our nanny is is highly gluten allergic. She had a really tough time. I couldn't find a drop of alcohol. I guess alcohol is only on California Adventure. I said, oh, great. So, yeah, we, Conrad had a little baby pizza that was good, but the food was, (laughs) and there's churros everywhere. And then there's something called a Dole Whip. That's like a pineapple whip sort of like a pineapple soft serve. Oh, pineapple and soft serve. and we ate that and sat in the tiki 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 room. And I love the tiki room. <laughs> it, animatronic birds sing and I think they are so talented. <laughs> They're so talented. Oh my god, I also just saw a flash of Peggy in that just now. You saying animatronic birds are talented? I see you now at the age of 60. And like I've seen the Tiki Room birds multiple times, and I go, the show's better every time. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the choreographer? They're getting better every year. Oh, my gosh. Call their agent. They need a raise. Speaking of people who need a raise, the movie today does star a true star, a star Mm -hmm. of our screens for all of our lives. I would say between the, you know, you and me, right? Growing up Uh, on Full House. Formative, formative for formative. us. This movie today, we're talking about a movie called Secrets of Eden, which stars the one and only John Stamos. Okay, so <laughs> they are not playing games. And what is even more amazing to me is that John Stamos does play a pastor. We don't see it coming. I don't buy it for half a second, but you know what? Not at I, all. I appreciate it. Stephen Drew, John Stamos, is a beloved pastor in the small town of Haverhill, Vermont. But when parishioners Alice and George Hayward are found dead, dark secrets begin to surface, and the trusted minister becomes the prime suspect. Okay, okay, Stamos is a suspect. Y'all, <laughs> let's get into it. 
of art, you just go, I, I need to escape. And, yes. and I'm not meaning escaping to a New Mexico meth clinic. Exactly. Exactly. I also love that you call it a clinic. That's where we make the meth <laughs> in the clinics. Anyway, now we open with Pastor Stephen and we hear his voiceover as he's driving around this tiny idyllic town, which is a Vermont town. I said, honey, this is way too sunny and bright to be Vermont, unless you're shooting in August. As someone who's been to Vermont more times than you would expect, I said, you get about two good months in the VT, okay? You get two good, uh, you know what? I was there in April. I guess it it was, or no, I was there in November, and it was like unseasonably warm. It was like one 65-degree day. When I tell you these people were butt-necked, they were in Vermont losing their damn mind, you know? Oh, yeah, with all their armpit hair swaying in the breeze. They were loving life. and. I adore Vermont. I always say that's where I'm going in the apocalypse because they're both progressive and have survival skills. So I said, these are who I'm going to be living with and you're close to Canada should you need to be. So I'm trying to get there. You know, that's going to be my journey getting to VT. But anyway, this movie is based on a book. And I have to say that because whenever there's a lot of voiceover, you're like, why? Based on a book. Okay, we're pulling from the Mm -hmm. text. We are externalizing the internal. You know what else is based on a book? And I, I found this out from our listeners. An Amish murder. Yes, Yes. We were tagged in their story. It's a book series. I want to read that. Should we start it? Should we start it? Yes. Okay. Okay. This is great. You guys, I read too. Okay. You're all obsessed with Megan reading. (laughs) Well, I think everyone's still surprised. So yes, (laughs) if you want to read along to the Amish murder book series with us, we'll we'll provide details. We promise. Yes. So as you said, Pastor Stephen, who is John Stamos, is giving a lot of voiceover, giving the facts about the town and some facts about him. God has a peculiar way of testing you when you least expect it. When I arrived in Havilah, a small town in the green hills of Vermont, The church was declining and in desperate need of help. He used to be in New York City, and he said he was just another face in the crowd. And it's like, (laughs) wow, even even (laughs) pastors go, I need to be a big fish in a small pond. Like he's like he's like a comedian that's like, I went to New York too big for me. So I'm going back to Vermont where I'm a headliner. And he with his last parish, he started a musical youth group called The Sermons. He's having fun. He's having fun. He's having Mm -hmm. fun. But then he also is feeling like he's lost. You know, the parishioners aren't, you know, is he guiding people? Is he helping? At one point he says, I wish my congregants would take some Prozac with their prayer. (laughs) And I thought, that's from the book. That's from the book. And it's good. It's good. Yeah. He's modern. Now, this movie is 2012. I would say it could be 1980 or it could be modern day. And I think that may be like a knock on 2012 of like, what were those years? Like they, those years were so simple. It I felt, mean, it felt like a, a different time where it's like, yeah, but what was the, what was the cultural lexicon then? I really don't know. I don't know either, but I will say it's funny. You said 1980, I, this movie to be smacked of 1998. Mm-hmm. I thought we were watching the one with Jason Momoa and Virginia Madsen. It was yes. giving me that sense where it was like, because you know, we're not really utilizing cell phones. A lot hinges on no, a journal. The clothing is sort of nondescript. Religion also dates things, too. It so it's like, if you're talking exactly. 2012 religious people, you might as well be talking 1998. Because <laughs> it's like, those are, their views are stuck in 98. Well, this is the thing, though. It's like, no one's even all that religious. Because then he starts talking about the Haywards, a family that seems to have it all. You know, that's what he says. And it's, Alice and George, mom and dad, with their daughter, Katie. George owned a successful chain of sporting goods stores across the state, which he describes as every woman's dream. And I said, is it? Is it? You know, I got to go on my upper register because I just don't know if a chain of sporting goods stores is what is on my list of dream husband. No, it's definitely not your dream. If we're talking sporting goods where where it's just like basketballs, tennis rackets, like those, yes. But I hear sporting goods and I go easy access to firearms. Well, yeah. And so then I'm out. Then I then I'm like no 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 that's actually my nightmare husband. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So as he is doing this voiceover, he is now inside of the Haywards home, which has been. A crime has been committed. There is blood, shattered glass. He is walking through the house with gloves on. Yeah, 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 yeah. So is this town small enough that you can be a pastor (laughs) slash CSI? (laughs) He tells us both Alice and George are dead. 
And that is kind of the opening of this movie. This family is perfect, and a murder has been committed, murder-suicide, George Alice, dead despite being this very quintessential Americana family. Right. And then in walks Detective Catherine Benincasa, who I will be calling Detective Anna Gunn. All right? So just accept it. Because it's Anna Gunn. She walks in. She gets the breakdown from the other cops. We see beer bottles everywhere, too. So it's like, okay, whoever was here, it almost looks like there was a party, right? Because it's like, not just beer bottles, but like scattered. As I was like, did you host someone? And it's like, oh, no, one person drank all of these. And they said it smells like a frat party in there. And like, you can smell, like, when... When that's described, I my nostrils immediately have that smell. And then you <laughs> yes, also have the, sticky, the stickiness. When your feet, yeah. like there's a pull to get them off the ground. And I go, oh, I'm in this house. So not only are the cops there, the pastor is also there now. He's outside. Yes, he's outside like whole, restraining the dog who bit <laughs> a cop when they got there. And also, so they're describing this. George murdered Alice and then shot himself murder-suicide, like, you know, open-shut case because the perpetrator's dead. I immediately go, something's fishy. I don't think that's what happened. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now we get our first of many flashbacks. This is one of those movies that's using the flashback to keep you interested because you're like, what time is it? When was this? But it's a pretty linear story, but in general, but the flashback. So we flashback to Pastor Drew baptizing Alice Hayward. All right. And Alice is, you know, she's this woman where it's like she's a blonde mom, but could also be a 20 year old sorority girl. She's really pretty. Yeah. But like perky, young, ageless. Natural beauty. Yes. Because the hair is like frizzy kind or, you know, not frizzy, but the hair is just like, oh, I just put it back. Like it truly is. I woke up like this. And what she woke up like is just kind of like angelic almost. It feels like there's like a kindness aura around her. Well, she's also giving virginal quality, right? I mean, in part, yes, that is because we are seeing her being baptized in what Megan rightfully did say, yuck, a river. Very dirty, very murky, very murky. Some parishioner has a pool, above ground, no (laughs) less. Like, a river is disgusting. You cannot, and these grown people baptisms, I've 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 watched one. I've watched a hundred on Real Housewives. Go to a hotel, <laughs> t- go to a courtyard Marriott, and dip Alice in the shallow end. We don't need to be in the river. <laughs> well, then there's like a bunch of people watching. So it, it, a lot of people. Like it was a real <laughs> solid. Like you know, in Lifetime, you know, they're not going to spend a lot of money on extras. So when you see a gathering, I was like, this is like 25 people watching her be baptized. I was almost like, is it a cult? Like because I could see Stamos starting a cult. With those chiseled features, I said, sure, he could be a cult leader. But it wasn't. They were just there supporting, I guess. Yeah, I saw the gathering and I go, I don't think there's a lot going on in this town. So they're like, Alice is getting baptized. Let's go down to the river. You know, very like music man of the whole town shows up when there's a pool table delivered. Then the pastor has another flashback to Alice's baptism party. And this is the thing that I was immediately thrown by. It's like this outdoor picnic. It looks like the whole damn neighborhood's there. The whole town. And so I'm like, is it just for her having been baptized? Is this what people do after they've watched someone be baptized? Because, again, a lot of people came to the baptism. Maybe they want to stay for the food afterwards. I don't know. Of course. The first thing I know is I go, her husband couldn't make it to her baptism. So we Mm -hmm. already know, okay, we have a problem here. We have a problem here. Yeah, and it's giving Saturday vibes. So it's like, I think George is a veil. I also found it weird that Katie, daughter Katie, didn't want to get baptized. Like, he's like, and you? And she's like, no, because it seems like this is like such a big step for Alice. Daughter Katie, who is really sweet, I think a a top Lifetime teen. I really thought her acting was good. And I she felt very realistic to me. She asks if she can go with her friend Tina. Her friend Tina is also a teen. She does have the hair of a 65-year-old woman. So she <laughs> asked if she can go with Tina to see the fray in concert. And I have seen the fray in concert when I was in college. And it is Drake and the fray were the two worst concerts I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Wait, why? What happened at the fray? They're just bored. They only have one song. So it was like, once they played that one song, it was like, oh no, we have to stay here? <laughs> I gotta get out. And I did. I left early. I listened to the one song and then I went back and, you know, underage drank. Here's my issue with this film. It's very hard to 
imagine John Stamos as a preacher, pastor, minister. He is, and I'm not just saying because he's hot, because uh, every lifetime person is hot. He's also flirty. There's also like a sexual charge yes. off of him. Yes. I do think it's natural for him to go, have mercy. So <laughs> I, I think that part of pastoring makes sense, but everything else, I'm like, no, this man is I, I, like, I don't even know what his job would be other than actor. Right, 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 right. Well, which is also why I think it's so funny. I'm like, you left New York? You could have been on Broadway. <laughs> I mean, what are we saying? You were a little fish with those features in New York, yeah. even in New York City. I don't buy it. But also, fun fact, the daughter, who we do, you know, top lifetime team, you are correct. She is in her stolen past. She plays <gasps> a best, the bestie in her stolen past. You're so right. we love to see the Lifetime family, the yeah. cinematic universe at play. And again, this movie was six years before that, for, before her stolen past. Wow. So she's working. I am sensing a sexual chemistry between Alice and John Stamos. Yes. What is his name? Steven. And so I think that too is what's throwing me is because yeah. you don't, you're, you're not naturally having sexually charged conversations but I but at the moment I wrote that in the notes I'm like I don't know if that's Stamos's performance or if that's something I we're gonna be seeing in the film well you're gonna find out well of course well okay again remember George who couldn't make the baptism well you know Alice is so happy she's seeing her friend her friend Heather Heather who's like a witchy woman gives her a Ganesh a little statue but it's like okay whatever the point is everyone's happy for you you're loving life Alice is feeling good and then she gets home and has dinner with George and George is just the worst I think probably the worst husband and that's saying a lot in terms of like just the way he is from the beginning you're like oh he is heinous he's upset about her getting baptized he keeps asking who yeah. was at the baptism who was there what did you wear like and we learn that he has been physically abusive that she had kicked him out for four months and has just recently let him back in yeah and he is angry when he finds out she wore a bathing suit to the baptism even though it was very much in a whole ass river so what did you want from her and she had a cover-up over it yeah. it wasn't yeah. just loose bathing suit yeah we're also not talking bikini we're not talking like it's like what and he at he attacks her again and says she can't go to church anymore. So, honey, we only about 15 minutes in, and it is a roller coaster. George is really bad. I do want to point out a couple things. George looks just like a man I dated in Chicago. That is so sad to me. I know. He was an alcoholic. And then also, I think George and Alice, they are such a classic tale. When we go on the road and do stand-up, we see couples like this all the time. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, here is this effervescent, light, airy, breezy, like truly smile that lights up the room type gal. Mm -hmm. Married to this just mean, abusive loser because that's all the town has. Like, they're in this small town. They probably grew up together. And it's exactly. like, well, George is going to take over his dad's sporting goods shop. He's the best option. Right. Right. Tale as old as time. Tale as old as time. Okay. Now, back in our present timeline, you know, again, George and Alice have been found dead. And given the scene we just saw, you're like, oh, yeah, what an that's what happened. A murder-suicide. Because <laughs> we know, we know... We know who George is, right? So it's all, but the pastor has come back. So I guess he put the dog away because the whole thing too is that the dog is, you know, he, the dog bit a cop. The dog is very <laughs> reactive. The dog only likes like two people. And I'm like, I get it, dog. I relate. Yeah. But then the pastor comes back to clean up the, like the house and pick up things for the, for Katie. And the cops let him do that. What are you doing? Letting him sh come into an because it's like, they were like, oh, well, we're done. We have crime scene cleanup coming. Yeah, there's businesses to do this. There are businesses. No one does that. And then you saying you're going to pick stuff up for Katie, where it's like, are you the only friend this 18-year-old girl has? That doesn't make any sense, because we know she was at a friend's house, and her mother has a bestie named Jenny. So I don't know why you're the person doing this. Yeah, I honestly didn't even hear the pick up the stuff for Katie, because I was so gobsmacked by him cleaning up the crime scene. I'm like, there's no way this pastor knows how to get bloodied brain matter exactly. out of walls. Exactly. Like, that, that seems like a specialized skill, <laughs> and this Hunk preacher ain't got it. It's truly insane. So Heather, Alice's, ow, 
I call her the witchy, witchy friend. The witchy, the ethno-ambiguo witchy friend. She's also famous. Like, it's like, I think she's supposed to be sort of like a Glennon Doyle type. Like, we're, like, every, like, she's like, Heather came. Okay, so Heather is talking to Detective Anna Gunn, and we learn that the baptism was the day before. Right. So this all just happened. I was, because that's the thing, they keep flashing. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I was like, she's in the outfit from... The incident we just saw, which is like, oh, so this is all just last night. Yeah. Which I was wondering, and I'm glad that they laid out the timeline for us. So then Detective Anna Gunn goes to question best friend Jenny, who does spill the tea on George being abusive. You can tell she hates George. And I'm yeah. like, yes, I love Thank Jenny. You. And then she says that Pastor Stephen was giving Alice pastoral counseling. And she says it in a way like, I think we all know what that means. Exactly. And then we find out that Alice was dead for four hours before George died and that George didn't kill himself. Someone killed George. So George killed Alice and someone killed George. Exactly. And it's just funny how quick, how bad. I'm telling you, I could solve a murder with all the true crime shows I watch. That when you see cops be so dumb in movies where you're like, Oh, you're just being dumb for the storyline. Because if you shot in the back of the head, you can't do that to yourself. Unless you make some Home Alone-esque style complicated rigging. Right. And and there was no residue. Yeah, I think there there's actually kind of a podcast that was a, not really similar, but it's called Fall of a Titan. It's a great podcast. It's about a really famous NFL player mm. whose girlfriend supposedly shot him, and then shot herself. And all of the family's experts outside of it are like, there's no way that that was physically possible. And the cops are like, yep, that's what happened. And they're like, no, that's not what happened. And they're like, yep, case closed. And it's like, the girl, the girlfriend was like 4'10", and like supposedly like had never fired a gun. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, yeah. yes, they, they do make these mistakes in real life. Yeah. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to say. Well, speaking of mistakes that are being made, <laughs> I'm going to tell you that this next scene, which is Pastor Drew leading Alice's funeral service, I was underwhelmed by his pastoral services. I thought this was not good. I didn't appreciate him doing crowd work and getting off topic with a story that I thought did not make any sense. Please listen to this. Certainly in her beautiful daughter, Katie. You know, your smile reminds me of one of your mother's gifts. She could always take a negative and turn it into a positive. You recall the, uh, the quilt that the women's circle made? It took them about a year, it was a beautiful quilt. And they were gonna raffle it off at the summer fair. And the feral cat from the cemetery found its way to that quilt and she gave birth to a, a beautiful litter. Of course, the quilt was ruined, but Alice just looked at it and said, thank God the kittens were warm. And thank God the kittens were safe. I'm sorry. Do not address individuals during the funeral. Yeah. And like for this being a woman, you know, really well. I, yeah, I think you're right. Underwhelmed. I think he needed a new TikTok clip. He said, we are in a clip-based economy and I got to get these <laughs> clips out there. So I'm doing, he's just got a TikTok funeral account. Okay. So after the funeral, which Detective Anna Gunn is at, she talks to the pastor and he is really bad at answering questions. Like, yeah. she thinks he's hiding something. We think he's hiding something. And then we find him in his church. It looks like he's sitting in a pew at the church mm -hmm. on his own laptop. And he deletes, we see him delete multiple pages from his online search history, like <laughs> a giant web, web page that says, removing evidence from a crime scene. Yeah, You know, the kind of stuff cops can very easily recover. It's like, you think you deleted a page, babe, it's not over. Okay, so we're at like minute 28. And so I'm like, okay, they're definitely making it seem like he did it. He's being weird. He's deleting all this stuff. He somehow was allowed to clean the crime scene. But I'm like, it's too early in the movie. Right. So my theory is... I think daughter Katie killed her dad and that he knows that and he's helping her cover it up. Wow. Okay. So you got there a minute 25. That's a very good one for you, Megan. You got that that quickly just for him removing the web pages? I'll tell y'all what I got because I thought Katie was okay. being weird as hell. Yeah. Okay. So basically we get another flashback to Alice and Heather meeting at Heather's shop. Heather's shop is, it's Wicca, it's tchotchkes, it's self-help, it's astrology, it's crystals, like that kind of place. Mm -hmm. And I said, yes, this is Vermont. And Alice is very into it. It's like, you, you basically see Alice, you know, 
she is finding herself. She's trying to find her identity. She's trying to connect to a higher power. This is a woman who has been abused for, you know, who knows how long and is trying to, you know, re gets, reclaim her power. And so she's all talking and she like tells Jenny and Jenny's like, I don't give a shit. Jenny could not, <laughs> she didn't care about this woman. She's like, I want you to drop George. George. Okay. I yep. don't care about whatever you found at the wicked shop. But then we see Katie and Heather in present day, again, after Alice has died, and they're talking, and they're having a walk and talk in the woods, you know, very unbrand for Heather. She says, let's go into nature. And, you know, there is an inkling that maybe there's, like, a little more going on. In the relationship between Alice and Stephen that yes, they had. Yes, the pastor. Yeah. Listen to this. It just seems weird. Listen. You know that thing you gave my mom at the picnic? Yeah, the ganache? Yeah. I was talking to Ginny, and I said that it should go in her casket. I think she really would have liked it there. But the thing is, uh, Pastor Drew wanted her to have his Bible. Like his personal Bible? Yeah. Wow. I didn't want my mom to lie there forever with a Bible in her hands, even if it was his. Does he know that? Oh, no. Can we not tell him? Because, I mean, he thinks it's with her and... I wouldn't tell him. Okay. Yeah, and even Katie's like, mm, she doesn't need his Bible. Thank you? I was like, why would she be buried with his Bible? Something, I was like, okay, this is way off. And then the pastor goes and visits Heather. I love how Heather's Wicked store is a one-stop shop. It's almost feeling like 1800s. <laughs> like, the, I don't know. There's Heather really was, like, shoehorned into this movie and, like, not needed. No, we didn't need this. We didn't need it whatsoever. And I find her to be beautiful. Her performance was great. But I kept being like, wait, it, it, did Heather cast a spell? There are going to be right. no spells. So if you are looking for that, right. I'm right. so sorry. You're going to have to tune out. <laughs> But Ginny sees Heather and Pastor Drew talking, and she gets so mad. She tells Detective Anna Gunn. She's like, Alice and Pastor Drew were having an affair, and Alice wrote about it in her journal. Because basically, Ginny yeah. thinks that the pastor is now getting with Heather. Yes! Which I thought was a little too soon, just to base off of two people having a conversation. Well, Ginny's fired up, and, and I would say Ginny's instincts are good. So Detective Anna Gunn, finds this journal, who knows mm -hmm. where it was hidden, maybe in the dog's bed. Well. And she and she brings the journal to the pastor and is like, I know you were having an affair. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Gaslight, gaslight, gaslight. And then she brings out the journal and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know she was doing that. Then we get another flashback. Alice is sobbing in the church. She's confiding in Pastor Stephen because she has kicked George out because he really crossed the line and he broke her arm. So the abuse escalated right. and and then it's like, then you got to get doctors involved and insurance. And, and so this is like that, that was the incident. Bef this, is, this is that moment she kicks him out for four months and he's yes. gone for four months. Yep. So that's what we're seeing now, that time. And we're realizing, you know, but here's the thing, though. She kicks him out, and, you know, she feels so guilty. And Pastor Drew was like, stay strong. He's not a good person. Like, God wouldn't want you to be with somebody who does this. Which is like, thank you, uh -huh. baseline. Uh -huh. And then the next time we see Alice, she's thrilled. Loving she is life. Loving, loving life. life. She looks lighter, like, in her air. She isn't afraid of being afraid all the time. But daughter Katie is saying she wants her dad to come back. And, you know, this is where I, you know, and it's interesting because it's not that Katie doesn't know what he's done. No, that's she does. The, she knows. And that's what I thought. And Katie is like 17, 18 years old. So she ain't, you know, a, a little child who needs her daddy to change her diaper and yeah, tuck her in. Like, so I was like, I couldn't believe not. I get her wanting her parent, but I was surprised that she would say that to her mother knowing what was going on. Yeah. Katie, that may be something you just sort of tell like a guidance counselor yeah. and not your mom who is literally still on a cast. Right. So Alice goes to Pastor Stephen and, and at this point it's still just him like counseling her. Then things escalate and they start kissing, which I expected, but still doesn't sit right in my stomach. So because of that, <laughs> Naomi... Let's take a quick break for me to sort out my pastor having kisses with his parishioner's stomach, and we'll be right back. Yeah. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Okay, we are back. Okay, they kiss and then they start having sex. So, kissing to sex, very fast. And she has bruises and I mean, you can really see the the marks of abuse. It's terrible. Like this is this is where again, this is why this is also one of those moments like it had the 1998 We're really going to highlight the physical pain she was in in a way that I don't yeah. think we do now. In right. movies, and especially in Lifetime movies. I don't think, they don't linger in it in that way. So this is the quote-unquote affair that Ginny was referring to. It happened between Stephen and Alice while George was out of the house, so they were separated. Now, I find zero fault on Alice's Thank part. Thank you? <laughs> I, I, zero. Zero. If anything, I go, yes. I do think it's a little... Not, I I don't love this pastor. from a pastor. No, absolutely not. Because it's absolutely like she's not. clearly vulnerable. Yes, absolutely. She's a parishioner. Yes, yes. And like they're not divorced and we don't know what's going to come after this. And like it moved pretty quickly. This is something you were counseling and now you're having sex with them. So it's like, yeah. mm, John, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is a yeah, tiny yeah. town too. So like yeah. this is going to get out. Exactly. But Alice is, she's, she seems to be happy. There's like a fun scene where Alice and... Katie are cooking in the kitchen and at, where Alice is, we like hear her voiceover. She's writing in her journal about how happy she is, how she's connecting with daughter Katie. I never realized how much I was missing, how much I shut down. Now I'm beginning to feel all the joy that comes with being part of my daughter's life. So, you know, it seems like she is living her best life without George. Yeah. Okay. And Katie's happy, too, but. until we see Katie, who is a soccer player, and her dad, who owns a sporting goods store, gives her an expensive pair of soccer cleats. And it's like, you know, George George knows how to work over a teen girl because she's like, yes, I love these. I miss you, Dad. Exactly. And that is truly music to his ears. And, and again, it, it's the same as we felt earlier, of just like, don't you think your dad's a, a bad guy, maybe? Because it's not like Katie and her mom have a strained relationship. They seem very close, right. have a lot right. of love and respect. He is physically abusive to her. That's the thing I don't get. And this, for me, is this is the moment I think Katie killed dad. Because her behavior is so strange. Because she's oddly chill about everything, given that she knows her father beats her mom regularly. Then she's annoyed to see Pastor Drew at her house with mom. So this is, again, this is this is before the murder, but this is, like, during that time when the parents are estranged. The separation. She's, like, annoyed. The separation. But then, you know, we also learn that during this time they're apart, Dad George has been sending Alice poetry. And Katie knows too. So it's like dad is also like communicating with her. She's like, dad and I have been texting. And like, he told me, you know, where I was like, and now I'm thinking to myself, she was really into dad coming back. He attacked mom. And then maybe Katie was on who was like, oh, no, no, no. But mm. the thing is, we're not sure because they say Katie's not the one who found them. What we're told is actually mom's friend Jenny, where like they, you know, she doesn't hear from Alice. She goes to the house and finds them. So, and Katie had been at the Frey concert and having her sleepover with Tina. So we don't think she was even there, but this is the moment for me. And I got to tell you, Megan, we're probably in like minute 45 that I start to put it together. Yeah. Well, because it, they've just spelled it out like a little too much for us. So we see Pastor Steven fixing Alice's mini Cooper and <laughs> she brings out some iced tea. This film 
if, if if New York City is the fifth character in Sex and the City, Ice Tea <laughs> is the third character. It's third on the call sheet. They, everyone, do you want some tea? I got some tea, and we're not even in the South. Right. We're in the Northeast, and they are pouring iced tea down these people's gullets. <laughs> so Katie sees Pastor Steve over. Obviously, she doesn't know they're having a sexual relationship, but she like thinks they are. She's like, it's very obvious. No, because Alice comes up and she's like, isn't he so great for fixing my car? It's like, (laughs) Alice, reel it in. And so then Alice and Pastor Steve leave. They go back to the church where his house is. And his house is really cute. And they're like in, they're they're walking into his backyard. And yeah, they're like all over each other. And it's like, you know people are nosy in this town. Thank you. This town is tiny. So they're all over each other. And then we hear Stephen say, to Alice, you know, if he hurts you again, I'll kill him. And obviously that stuck with Alice because she wrote wrote that very line down in her journal, yeah. which Detective Anna Gunn sees and highlights and is like, well, so you said this and I'm going to prove it. And I don't journal, but I'd love to hear from the listeners. Are you writing down direct quotes? Because that <laughs> makes me nervous because I definitely know people that do journal and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to start saying off the record when we're just having regular chats because I do not want to be cu- quoted. Exactly. So they use this to get a search warrant of the pastor's home and Detective Anna Gunn, well, I don't even think she's a detective. I think she maybe is like the D, assistant DA or something because she's constantly in what looks like a legal suits. building. Yeah, she, and she's yes. in her suits and she kind of walks in and like tells the cops to tell her what's going on. So I was wondering maybe yeah. she's like an assistant district attorney because then her okay. boss, who's really giving DA vibes, he is yeah. not happy with this search. Listen to this. You executed a warrant and it turned up nothing. Absolutely untrue. We found his laptop and we discovered that he searched websites like, um, how to remove bloodstains, the best way to clean fingerprints, gun blowback, we have motive. We have forensic evidence. Yeah, but none of it ties him to the murder. And and he was merely searching forensic websites. His DNA, his fingerprints are all over the Hayward house. Catherine, he was sleeping with her. There's nothing on the gun. He searched those websites at 2.30 in the morning, an hour after George Hayward was shot. What more do I need? A witness? A confession? Everything you have is circumstantial. We've gotten convictions with less, and you know it. And we won't with this one. Not with Stephen Drew. You know, you're talking about him like he's some kind of saint. I mean, like he's untouchable. If you get this to trial, the jury will interpret your, your passion as a personal vendetta because they'll take one look at that guy. You know what they're going to see? They're going to see a handsome, decent, hardworking pastor who is a big part of this community and who's done nothing but good work here. He's going to walk. And your reputation and mine will take a big hit. I don't get this. He's not a celebrity. He's a small town pastor. If he killed a man, I think people would be mad at him. Exactly. Like, I we know. can't be treating him this way. It's like, we need to stop with these, like, th- these men are representatives of God. I know. Because we know what they do, and a lot of it is bad. So, like, yeah, you kill someone or not, you're you're not Leonardo DiCaprio. I mean, you are John Stamos playing a pastor. You're also in Haverhill, Vermont, honey. I mean, we're talking, the big city's Burlington. Don't act like someone's like, you can't ruin the town of Haverhill with these allegations. It's like, no, I think we got to get rid of him. No one needs it. So Pastor Drew, which is his last name, I'm sure you guys are like, who is Pastor Drew? Who is Pastor Stephen? Who is Pastor John Stamos? They're all the same person. Pastor Drew goes to visit Heather again, and Heather invites him to her lake house so they can talk. Heather is weird. And I know she's like, I know she's a witch, but it's like, <laughs> why, why? Why? Why do you why? have a lake house 10 minutes away? Like, it's weird. They're weird. They're both weird. It's just like nobody, y'all never talked before. And now you're saying, come to my private home, man, I just met. And let's talk about the woman who died, who you were seeing. But then they also seem to have these disagreements about religion, right? Because it really is, again, Heather's giving Wiccan, pagan, or she's like, I believe in higher power, but not, you know, God in this way. And Pastor Drew doesn't like it. So then you're also like, why are y'all hanging out? Like, it's like, it doesn't make any sense, but he's like, okay, I'll consider it. Now, 
we get another flashback. Pastor Drew ends his relationship with Alice. Because basically everything you said before about it being icky, you're a parishioner, you're married. I shouldn't be doing this. But he still got it in. Well, you know, that's the thing with exactly. men. They'll go... <laughs> They'll they'll get theirs and then be like, I can't. And it's like, well, but now she already fell for you, you idiot. Yeah, it's also like, you can't, but you did. So it's like, you can. Yeah, you already did it. You can't. What, yeah. How, what are you going to, you're going to do 10 Hail Marys? Like, it's done. But Alice, was she? this made me so mad say it. So because Pastor Drew said, we can't be together, Alice said, Fine, I will get back with George. No, Alice. No, babe. You can be on your own, too. And also, she's fine as hell. You could find somebody else. Like, you could literally drive two towns over, which may take you all of 15 minutes, and find a perfectly nice man. Oh, yeah, she'd be a hot commodity on Hinge. I think she's probably never been single. I think it's been like, we got married when we were 18 or 22, and I went from my parents' house to George's house to Pastor Drew's pew and then back to George's house like it's like <laughs> she just like if if someone breaks up to you you don't go oh then I'll go back to my ex it's like stand on your own Alice you can do it girl we believe she in can. you I know it was so upsetting and she's like George needs me and then cut to her and George having a picnic that he set up in the park and he cries crocodile tears as he apologizes honey I uh, I never meant to hurt you you know that right but I know that I have over and over again, and I, it makes me hate myself. George, you don't have to. No, I do, okay? From the first moment I saw you, I knew that somehow, some way, we had to be together. I, I had to have you. And I, I crossed the line in trying to make that happen, trying to keep you. And then I am basically Ginny, best friend Ginny, yelling at her to not get back with George. Because Ginny is like, what are you doing? And she's like, he needs me. And I'm like, me and Ginny both are screaming, what are you doing? He also, he made homemade salsa and she gags. And she's like, well, it's a thought that counts. And I'm like, I'm, I was afraid that he was going to be abusive because she didn't like the salsa. So I'm like afraid for her safety. Also, I'd like to get some samples of these of this poetry because I don't think this is a talented man. His salsa is bad. I'm sure his poetry is bad. He's just going from the estranged husband notebook and whipping things out. And I think he is trash. I wish him the worst. Now, Naomi got up to do something and I continued the conversation by myself the entire time. You should (laughs) And I just was going to pick it up. That's why I said, he is trash. I was like, I'll just button it and we'll just keep at it. (laughs) Now, we do see the pastor at Heather's lake house. And I was like, okay, so is he going to murder her? Or then, and then, because like literally this is the moment when, because no one's doing anything that makes sense. I'm like, so is pastor going to murder Heather or did Heather kill George? Because I was like, why are these two people together? Why are they off? Because what they do next is even crazier to me than either of those things, which is they have sex. They have sex and he calls her Alice. During it. Oh, and and good for Heather. She's like, oh, we got to stop. This Pastor Drew, sir, you need to stop. I don't get it. You, This is too much. You are having sex with too many. I mean, granted, I guess Heather's not a parishioner, but like there's 14 women in this town. So like you're, these odds are bad. While this is happening, Detective Anna Gunn has gone to talk to daughter Katie just because they... They, the warrant led to nothing. They are at their wits ends. And Katie is like, the dog was outside. I don't know. There's this weird thing where the dog, where they basically are able to deduce that someone who knew the family and was good with the dog killed George because the dog would have attacked anyone else. Right, right. And they found no other blood. Um, and we've already seen that the dog will even bite a cop, right? So you get the establishment that this is going to be bad. And so basically as this is happening, Heather, for some reason, and I didn't get why. Did you get why Heather, again, the sex has stopped because he called her Alice. And now they're talking and Heather starts to wonder what's up with the pasture. And we see her call Detective Anna Gunn. Yeah. I think because he sort of alludes to that he had to do something to protect Alex. It was like about protecting Katie, too. Yeah, like, maybe that was it. Katie. And I was like, what? 
she's not questioning him because she thinks he did anything wrong at first. Like, they're just like, oh, we were having sex and then you called me my dead friend's name, so I guess we'll just, like, talk now. And then it leads to definitely right. him saying things that she's like, hmm. So she tells him to stay the night, which I'm like, I would have been like, you got to get out of here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so he goes inside to get more iced tea, of course. She calls somebody, and we know it's the police. So wait, because what it was was he was like, okay, I'll stay. Let me go get my suitcase. He comes, and so she uses that night to make her night call. Then in the morning, he comes out in a perfectly fitting white top. He's wearing like a white, almost like kind of like a V-neck. He's wearing a white V-neck, and he's like mm. holding a cup of tea in the morning. And I said, looking good, Stamos. And then the cops come and arrest him, and Heather just like walks back in her house. Heather's like, well, you know, you do what you gotta do. <laughs> but I'm like, so you thought he was a murderer, and you just had a no sex sleepover like eight, the police don't come until the next morning so it's like she's right. he's like she's like yeah I'll go get your stuff no right absolutely not i guess the 30 seconds of sex they had must have been that good who knows i don't know because it's like you don't just then have a sleepover with a man that you called the police on cuz he's a murderer all right, right. so right. he's arrested because of the information that Heather called. Then we get another weird flashback. Alice asked Pastor Drew to baptize her after their relationship, after their relationship ended and once she's back with George. So George watches this interaction of Pastor Drew and Alice sitting in his pickup truck. And then once oh. Alice leaves, he goes to the pastor's house and they get in what is just like, it, they're both sober. Well, George is a drunk, so he's probably not. But they do that thing where they just, like, are two dudes shoving each other. Like, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. well, no, what are you going to do? They just push each other, and then it doesn't escalate at all. It's it's exactly how NBA players fight, too. They're doing, like, why are you holding <laughs> me back? But no one's holding them back. It's like, it's just the two of you. If you want a fist fight, fist fight. Let's, like, let's get Vermont <laughs> popping. He tells him to stay away from Alice and that because of him, she's gotten disrespectful. They push each other. They push each other. And then George just leaves. I go, you two punks. Yeah, that church has ruined her. Yeah, the church. Because you know that's what happens. Well, it's also <laughs> like, of course, George, only in your world does church make a woman more mouthy and disrespectful. Upright. I'm like, yeah. I was like, what? Okay. Meanwhile, the pastor has been let out on bond and the detective is, like, still getting evidence. And I'm like, okay, y'all ain't doing nothing. It just feels like you really, like, she's so focused. The detective is so focused, or the DA, whatever she is, okay? She's focused on it being him, but never has the evidence. So then you're like, babe, you might want to, like, let this go or wait until you have what you need. Then we get a, the final flashback, the biggest of all flashbacks, which are the, the events leading up to Alice's death. And we do see that, of course, George did kill her, strangled her after she tells him that she was indeed with Pastor Drew sexually. And she liked it. You know, like she really, yeah. she, she really lays into it. Like she's like, yeah, I was with him and I loved it. Yeah. And I miss him. Like you're like, yeah. oh my goodness, Alice. Then in, we see Pastor Drew, he's sitting in his voiceover. He's like, you know, there was never enough evidence. The case went cold. And as he's talking, we see him pick up Katie from best friend Tina's house and mom, Jenny. And it seems like he is the one taking Katie to college, which I thought yeah. was very strange considering, again, her best friend and best friend's mom are right there. And the mom was best friends with her mom. So I was like, why is Pastor Drew the one taking out of college? So, you know, I'm like, this is a lot. This is a little too much. And especially knowing now, like, the the sort of, like, history he has with women in the town. I'm like, I just, I don't know. Like, I, I know. there's part of me that's I like, know. he's not grooming Katie, is he? Like, she's so well. young, and he clearly loved her mother. And so his voiceover, he, yeah, he says the case went cold. Katie is going to Colgate. I love when we get a, a name brand school. Yeah. And then we go to what is actually the last flashback, this one from Katie's point of view. Right. She came home from friend Tina's house to get her computer after the concert. She finds her mom dead on the ground. And she's like, oh my God, dad, what happened? Dad? Like rushes to her dad because she thinks maybe it was an intruder. Like she thinks maybe her dad's going to be dead. No, her dad is drunk and asleep in the chair. And so she knows that her dad killed her mom. Mm -hmm. And so Katie gets the gun and shoots her dad dead. 
And then mm. she calls the pastor to help her clean up the situation. Well, she doesn't say clean up. She just runs to the pastor to tell him what happened. I mean, I don't mean physically clean up. I mean, like, I need help. And it. so he's the one that was like, we're going to wipe the gun. We're going to do all this. Yeah, we're going to clean your hands. Because basically he's like, yeah. he's like, Katie, I don't want you spending your life in jail. We're going to make it look like dad shot himself just to save Katie. So we see that that is all that. And we're hearing all the voiceover, the same voiceover we heard in the beginning about like, they seem like the perfect family. They had it all. We're now hearing that in Katie's voiceover. And then we see him drop her off at college. As Katie says in voiceover that she has no regrets about what she did. And that is our motion picture. And, and I guess the one loose end that I was confused about was that she was who brought up that it must have been someone they knew who killed her dad because of the dog. But the reason she did that is because they have this like conversation where he's like, if you feel them getting close, just implicate me. Like he's like, make it seem like I did it because I did it and I'm fine with taking the fall. I don't want you to. I think he knows like if he didn't do it, it'll be hard to actually put him away. I think it's also a penance. It's like his penance. I think he also feels bad for sleeping with a woman who was married, being in that relationship with a parishioner, not being able to like, and then he feels guilty because he thinks if he hadn't broken up with her, she wouldn't have gotten back with George and gotten killed. So he's like, fine, I'll go to jail. He's like, fine. Like, I think that's it too. He's like, he's like, I'm ready to go. Yeah. He didn't get her killed. George is a monster. Right. But like, I, I see how he was like, oh, if we had stayed together, she wouldn't have gotten back with him. And then that's right. what led to this. Right. So, right. Yeah, he is like an uh, uh he's not unlikable because he's very charming, but he's he is like not great either. Exactly. It's very this one this one was this one was tough. It was tough because it's always hard to watch any person, you know, be abused, be in a situation. And then when you see that, you know, when we have kind of that glimmer of her so happy without George and I'm like, don't go back to George. So it was like so heartbreaking. And then Stamos is just like brooding a lot and kind of mumbling. So like the twist was surprising ish. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, I'm devastated. Alice died. Of course. I'm glad Katie's not going to go to jail. Katie's going to Colgate and she's not looking back. She exactly. said uh, she has zero regrets. It's shocking to realize she has zero regrets. I know, I know. the man killed <laughs> her mom, but it's like, you're the one who wanted them to get back together. Katie. Yeah. You were, you were vocal about that. You were vocal about that. You were excited about dad's poetry. So that was the thing too. And it just felt like her, I think Kate, there was so much flashing back and, and I think in part, right. Cause they don't want us to, they don't want to tip their hand about Katie, but I actually feel like there was not enough emotional development of her. Like you didn't get right. to see her too much and you didn't get to see her sort of like the Turn sad and the anger towards herself, right? Like all the stuff she's feeling on the, on the other end of that, we don't really see it. And it's because they don't want to tip their hand. But I was also kind of was like, it's odd that she's not more present in this story considering, you know, cause yeah. she is like old enough to have thoughts and feelings. Anyway, you're right. We're scholars. We've seen too much. We've seen too much lifetime. We know too much. Right. We're getting in the nitty gritty. Everyone's attractive and Stamos is able to get away with it, which is, I guess all we ask yeah. for in this life. Yeah. Because like in the end he does commit a crime, you know, he cleans right. up the crime scene when he's allowed to and when he's not allowed to. Um, and he lies to the police as much as he wants. So, Next week, we are taking a little break. My mom has asked me 10 times if you've gone on a honeymoon. So I'm just going to tell her that's what you're going to do. We're, you know, we're all taking a little brain moon, all right? That's just where we go on a little trip with our brain, where we stay in our beds for longer. And then when we come back, we will have some brand new episodes for some different kinds of movies and discussions. And I'm very much looking forward to it. Maybe we'll even do some singing. We'll be celebrating Black Music History Month with Lifetime and A&E's Month of Music-Inspired Movies. We'll be talking about our favorite iconic girl groups and singers, starting with the premiere of Lifetime's new documentary film, TLC Forever, premiering June 3rd at 8 p.m. only on Lifetime. Until then, we're closing out AAPI Month with a lovely Filipina lead in Secrets in the Family. Remember that one? A nurse's dream job takes a turn for the worse when her wealthy patient dies under mysterious circumstances. Now, being a caretaker prone to mistakes, our nurse becomes a prime suspect in the investigation. She must quickly uncover her patient's family secrets to prove her innocence. Ooh, y'all. 
We'll see y'all soon. Bye. I love a Lifetime movie. If you love Lifetime movies as much as we do, tune into Lifetime and LMN to watch all the new and classic movies that we can't get enough of. Check your local listings to find out what's airing on Lifetime and LMN because it just might be the movie we talk about next. And wait, there's more. Check out the new bomb Lifetime podcast, Crime of a Lifetime, where two amazing hosts take you beyond the headlines of a crime and they get into the nitty gritty twists and turns of the story. Mm, That's my jam. This podcast would not be possible if it was just Naomi and me, for sure. Absolutely not. I Love a Lifetime Movie is produced by Aisha Jordan. With sound editing and mixing by The Podglomerate. Executive produced by Jesse Katz. With original music by Blake Maples. And hosted by Naomi and Megan. You should know that by now if you've gotten to this point. You should know that we're the host, okay? <laughs> I, it feels like we don't even need to say it, but we'll put ourselves in the credits. Copyright 2023 a and Television Networks, LLC. All rights reserved. <laughs> 